Hi, and welcome to the Scientist Podcast, where we bring you the research community like you've never heard it before. Here on episode eight, we'll be talking to PhD Diaries, a scientist whose Twitter account has gained over 43,000 followers since it was created. Hi everyone and welcome to the Scientist Podcast. Today we are joined by a very special guest. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, I'm at Thoughts of a PhD on Twitter. I also go by PhD Diaries. Nice to meet you. Um, Would you like to sort of tell us about your current academic position, what you research, where you're based, things like that? Sure, well first of all I just want to say thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun so I'm really excited to talk about all of this. Yeah. So I'm a third year PhD student at the University of Toronto in Toronto, Ontario, Canada where I study insulin signaling, obesity, metabolism, type 2 diabetes, anything and everything related to those things actually in the city where insulin was discovered. So that's the really cool part about my PhD that I always tell everybody. Yeah, are you quite specialist in that? Have you got quite a big team around you? Yeah, so Toronto is a really big hub of diabetes researchers, obviously. So we have a really big network here of collaborators that we do work with quite often. Our actual lab group is a little bit small, though. We don't have that many personnel in our lab, but we collaborate. What what do you specifically focus on? Is it quite narrow or is it like generally quite So it's very narrow. So I'm a cell biologist by training. So Mm -hmm. that means that I grow cells in culture and I study insulin signaling in those cells, which are muscle cells. Mm -hmm. And the focus of my research is basically to make those cells insulin resistant, which is something that you would see in a diabetic person, and then figure out why it happened at the molecular level and then hopefully try to reverse that The idea being that if we can understand why muscle cells become less insulin responsive in culture, then hopefully we can help people's actual muscles become more insulin responsive when they're diabetic. Right. That sounds really, really interesting, actually. And obviously, like, quite um, sort of important right now was as with the whole like there's like a massive obesity crisis and things like yeah that. so the way that i actually make them insulin resistant is by giving them a saturated fatty acid called palmitate which is a huge component of the western diet so right. saturated fat we all know that that's bad so i basically dump that on the cells and then after 18 hours they don't respond to insulin anymore wow. and then i try to figure out why at the molecular level that happens very interesting. And, and was this something you always wanted to do or sort of did you fall into it? I totally fell into all of it. Like I <laughs> fell into research. I fell into diabetes. Research, I fell into my PhD. Really? I fell into all of it by accident. I always tell people that I totally became a scientist completely by accident. Is that just a type of person you are? You just sort of like see where the wind takes you sort of thing? It's funny because with everything else in my life, absolutely not. Yeah. Arguably the biggest and most important thing in my life right now, which is like my academic career. I've always kind of been like, oh, like, let's see what happens, you know? So I was in my fourth year of undergrad and I was thinking like, well, all my friends are in labs. So like, maybe I should be in a lab too. So I did. And it happened to be a diabetes research lab. And then at the end of that, I was like, well people are doing masters. Maybe I should do that too. So then I did. And then 
the only solid decision that I made consciously in this journey was to do a PhD. Like at the end of my master's, I was like, okay, I want to do a PhD. And then I did that and I continued on. So were you, were you had, just following everything that interested you at the time? You just exactly. Like, I was makes sense. Yeah. Like doors were opening and I was yeah. kind of like, I'll just go through this one and, you know, <laughs> see what happens. Like, hopefully it's not a bad idea. So I would just kind of try it out and it worked out pretty decently, I think. But yeah. I think the most important lesson from my journey so far is really that like, you don't have to be in high school and have it all figured out. Like, I'm going to be a scientist. Like, I need to take these classes and then go to undergrad and be like, I have to have these grades. Like, I, I really didn't. I was just kind of doing what I felt like. And of course, I was taking science courses, but I was also taking other courses. And I was sort of just exploring seeing what I liked and what I didn't like. And honestly, it wasn't even until I was almost at my master's that I was like, yeah, okay, I, I can do this. I like science. If, if you had to look back at it, would you, would you have changed any way you got into it? Or it's, I mean, it's clearly worked well, um, <laughs> but is, uh, it, is there anything you change? It's a good question. So I would say probably there's a lot I would change mm -hmm. and that gets into like more specifics, I guess, about how I naively made some decisions. So for example, made some decisions earlier on when I was choosing like which labs to be a part of and I wish I made a little bit more informed decisions when I was choosing labs in the past because uh, as a as a student you know I'm a first-gen university student so I didn't have you know a network of family or friends mentor contacts I didn't really know what I was getting into and I jumped into labs without ever talking to anybody in the lab and then I ended up in some like pretty bad lab situations because of it in the past mm -hmm. and so that's one thing I wish I would have changed and actually like that's a big part of my message on my account right now which I, I guess we'll get to in a little bit but I try to tell my account is basically me telling me what I wish I knew when I wish I knew it right yeah um, I'm, I'm speaking about your your account and PhD diaries is is that how it came into existence you sort of thinking about your route you took into it thinking about oh I wish I'd done this not even necessarily your route into it but certain things I wish I'd done this differently I wish there was someone to tell me this when I was going through it right so I wouldn't say that I thought about that when I created the account but I definitely think about that 99% of the time when I tweet so a lot of my tweets are really like what do I wish I knew like something will happen to me in the lab and I'll be like more people need to hear this and I'll broadcast it something like that will happen but when I made the account honestly it's, a, it's another one of those like kind of happened by accident. So I was at a conference and they were asking us to tweet questions, but in the conference rooms, they weren't providing us with free Wi-Fi. So I literally made the account to tell them that the reason why they weren't getting questions was because nobody had Wi-Fi. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I made it. I tweeted that tweet at the conference organizers and then like months went by and I didn't touch the Twitter because I literally just made it for that specific, very specific reason. And then one of my colleagues, a former PhD student in the lab I was doing my master's in, mentioned to me that his PI had Twitter and there was this whole academic Twitter and science Twitter community. And I'm like, what's that? I want to check it out. And then he showed me his PI's account. I'm like, wow, this is golden. I want to be there too. So then I jumped on and I, that same Twitter account with my one tweet about Wi-Fi, and then I just started tweeting and then it just took off after that. So if you went down all the way through your Twitter, you'd find this first tweet about Wi-Fi. I don't remember if I left it there or if I deleted it because I was trying to like not be the person who was just like tweeting about Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if I left it or not, but 
honestly, it might still be there. I actually have, I don't remember. So that was about like a year and a half ago, probably, or two, almost two years ago. Wow. And, and with, with this account, um, people might not know, but you're, you're anonymous through this account. What's the reason behind wanting to keep sort of your identity anonymous? Right. So I keep it anonymous and that's, and I always tell people that the only thing that's not forthcoming or real about my account is my name. Mm-hmm. Everything else is real because my name is not there. So I'm able to tweet as it happens, as it is, what's happening, what I think, exactly how I think it without the filter of having to cater to all of these politics that we have to play in academia. You know, you don't want to offend your department chair. You don't want to defend your, offend your committee member or something, but like, so there are things that are happening in academia that need to be spoken about. Mm-hmm. And I like to speak about those things. For example, sometimes I see people, you know, not treating undergrads with the respect that they deserve to be treated with. And I'll just tweet about that straight up. And there's people who around me probably don't want to hear that because mm-hmm. they don't think that undergrads are important or worthy at that stage of their career, but I do. So some stuff that I'm tweeting I think might not be so palatable for people who are really comfortable with the status quo in academia, for sure. Uh, It's definitely a pro PhD student account. So I've, I've tweeted some things that are really pro student that get under the skin of some of my professor following, which that's not what this account is for. Like, I'm happy that you're here, but this is my message. And my audience is people like me, which is students. So that's why I keep it anonymous so that I can keep it 100% real without having to filter that. And I've talked to a lot of people who don't run anonymous accounts that have their names there. And they say like, you're always tweeting what I wish I could say. Yeah. So that's why I love it. But then I'll also say too, with anonymity, there's a delicate balance to be had because you don't want to hide behind your anonymity to say things that you wouldn't otherwise Mm -hmm. be proud to say that you said it. So there are people who follow me on my Twitter who are in my immediate academic circle, my colleagues and whatnot. And when someone finds my Twitter, if they ask me like, Hey, did you tweet this? Absolutely unequivocally. Yes, that is me. I'll own it all the time. I just feel like having the anonymity just gives me a little bit of the freedom, just freedom from the weight of having my name there. And then also 40,000 people knowing my first and last name and what I look like is really intimidating. So Mm -hmm. that's also why I've, kept it anonymous as it's gained popularity i think that's really there's a really interesting thing to say about being able to sort of like own what you're saying like if yeah. someone runs you about it but also it it completely gives you the freedom to say say what you really feel i think that's a that's a very very good point to, to yeah make. like i love to be able to say what i feel but like i said it's also really important to me that i'm authentic and responsible for what i say too so when people come to me and they they ask like i've had a couple colleagues because if you know me it's very easy to identify that that's me so that's another thing about my account that i keep it so real that that my colleagues have found it and like is this you and i'm like the people yeah, found you sort of figure out <laughs> yeah. yeah so people who actually know me for example like people will recognize my handwriting if i take a photo of something or they'll recognize my bench or you know they'll put two and two together like oh you're you're in toronto and you're studying this and then they see my picture which is like a bitmoji likeness of me and they're like yeah that's you and I'm like yeah it is <laughs> yeah and, and and with your with your account um 
obviously like you you were just saying how it gives you sort of the power to say what you want to fit it's like what, what you feel what you want to say to others what would you say is its main sort of uses for your users and 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 you like you, you as a person yeah so two sides to that question the first one what's the main use uh to the people who follow me i think i give people a really nice inside look of what a phd is like like mm -hmm. how, how and how we survive doing it yeah and just the real side of a PhD, not like the, there are like other accounts out there that tweet about the science and they tweet about, like, you know, they'll send a picture of their experiment or something like, mm -hmm. I'm tweeting about really what it's like, like, hey, I woke up at 6.30 a.m. today and my cells are getting contaminated. This sucks. I'm going home. Yeah. So like that was a tweet that I sent last week. And people love that because it makes everybody feel like, you know, you're not alone. You're not the only person in the world who did an experiment for a week and then came in on Monday morning and everything's contaminated with bacteria. And now you have to start over. So for my followers, I think the use is, is really just a relatable account mm -hmm. that speaks to some of the struggles that they're going through. And also I try to be really supportive of all of my virtual lab mates. Like that's kind of how I look at my following because that's the person that I am in the lab. So I basically took my lab personality, which is really supportive. Like I'm always known for being the one who's always there for everybody, who's got really good advice and the great person to talk to. And I took that and I turned it towards Twitter so that hopefully every single person who follows me feels like I'm also that person in their lab because maybe they don't have that because not all labs have a supportive lab mate. Yeah. And then the other side is like, what does it do for me? It does the same thing for me. It gives me this awesome network full of supportive lab mates that are right with me in the lab, just my phone away yeah. to support me through some really tough times. Like there's times where I'm in the lab and I'm by myself and experiments aren't working and I'm physically alone, but then I pick up my phone and I'm not physically alone anymore. I have this whole network of people who are know exactly what it's like, you know, to be in the lab late at night by yourself or really early in the morning by yourself. So, so it kind of serves two purposes but overall it's really just a support network i think yeah especially as phds can become so lonely like yeah, as, a, as a profession absolutely it's very isolating for a lot of people and as a principal i always leave my dm open i think that's another thing that i'm able to do because i'm anonymous i don't have to solicit all of the vitriol that a lot of women with their faces on twitter have to entertain in their direct messages i don't entertain a lot of that so just by virtue of being anonymous. So it's a really great thing for a lot of people because then they message me and we just have little chats about what's going on in the lab. And like, I'm not an expert or anything, but just having a sympathetic ear, I think is really helpful for a lot of people. And then on the same lines of being supportive, the other, my other brand when I tweet is just like really funny, like memes about being in the lab and just like laughs basically, because like we can all use a laugh, like doing a PhD is really hard work and it's really serious all the time. So yeah. if I can bring a smile to someone's face by something that just, you know, popped into my head while I was doing an experiment, I'm so happy to do that. Yeah. It, it's, it's something that definitely, oh, I mean, obviously it's so popular. People need that support. Like evidently people are sort of craving that sort of mutual support within the community that hasn't necessarily been there before so yeah, it's absolutely. definitely a great thing thing that you're doing i um, love it i i tell all my friends like you guys have to get on science but i have so much fun on here <laughs> like i met so many cool people on here you gotta come on here and like some of them do but like most of them don't they're like no i don't have time for that like, you know what you're gonna regret that i i love it i spend so much time on twitter it's like like i probably shouldn't even admit how much time i spend on <laughs> did you ever think it would get so big absolutely not okay so let me tell you about how that happened like the first time i guess i had a tweet kind of like 
go viral or whatever. Yeah. So I started to get like a couple of followers like here and there. Like I started off truly with that one PI who my friend yeah. was like, look at their Twitter. I'm like, oh, this is great. So I followed him. I followed my friend. I might have followed like four other people or something. And have you always been tweeting the same sort of thing? Like all, always this whole yeah. like, right. Yeah. yeah. So the content has always been the same. Mm-hmm. So then I was tweeting. So then I had a couple of followers. I probably had like a couple hundred. Like, you know, I had been like just networking with people basically. And they would follow me and I would follow them back. And then I was on the subway one day and I tweeted actually about undergrads and about how important they are to scientific research, but they're like, they're unheard of. Like no one talks about the undergrad that worked really hard when really like the undergrads often in their work are the backbone of, of the publications that we produce. Honestly, like even if they're not doing, you know, figure one a, like a panel that appears in the paper, they're doing a lot of the groundwork that allows me to then go do figure one a. So I basically made a tweet about how undergrads are like the unsung heroes of the lab and like we really don't give them the respect they deserve and they deserve it so I was on the subway I like pulled out my phone I had like a brief moment of service while the train was above ground I quickly tweeted this out I put my phone away I didn't even look at Twitter and then the next morning I woke up and it had like 2,000 likes or something and I was just like who are all these people how did they see what I said this is crazy and I like I was blown away like I had no idea the impact that like something I could just like kind of say like on the fly on my way home from the lab would have on people and then I was like well so many people are resonating with this message like so it's not just me so it made me feel really great because okay maybe undergrads aren't as unappreciated as I thought because here's 2,000 people that appreciate undergrads like me so that's fantastic yeah and then I just kind of kept tweeting and then you know every now and then a tweet would just take off and then every time it takes off in terms of like retweets and likes you always get this influx of followers because they've seen your content and then that ball kind of just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And eventually, you know, now I think I have 40 something K followers today. Is it quite intimidating or do you find it just sort of like the set, like it's just you talking to like your virtual no, life? it's hella intimidating. It is so <laughs> intimidating. So when I first started tweeting, I was just like talking to myself, right? It was like, you're talking in the mirror, you know, you do your little tweet, whatever. Three people saw it. It's like, doesn't really matter. But like now when I tweet, I know that every time that I hit send, 40,000 people potentially could see that. You don't reach your whole following with every, with every tweet yeah. because not everyone's on Twitter all the time. But it's really, I think it's intimidating to know that something I'm saying is going out to people of diverse backgrounds, diverse thought process, diverse training. So they might not see it the way that I see it. And you know, there might be something in my logic that I didn't explain clearly because I only have 280 characters, which is like unsympathetic when you're trying to, you know, talk about something that's nuanced or complicated. And there's definitely times where I've tweeted things and people have taken it in a context that like I totally did not mean it and it's got flipped on its head. And then all of a sudden I'm the subject of like swaths of, a, of almost like attack, like of the Twitter army for saying something that I didn't even really say. So that can be really tough. But I think while that that's tough, I think it's important because it does make me a better communicator at the end of the day. And it also exposes me to other people's viewpoints. And the last thing I want is an echo chamber saying, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. And I don't want that. But again, that sort of acts as a two-way street, doesn't it? Because as you just said, you've sort of become a better communicator. Then also from another, from, from your followers' perspective, they're thinking from also another person's viewpoint. So it just makes generally everyone sort of 
just think a little bit more, doesn't it? Yeah. And I love that. I love that part of Twitter. Like I also had an Instagram briefly like that. I was, you know, posting photos on under the same, you know, name and whatnot. And Instagram's not that conversational. So you kind of just like like and scroll and no one was really like talking to me and that was kind of boring. So while it can be intimidating to tweet out to 40,000 people and absolutely scary to do that, it's amazing because you get such a diverse response when your tweet is seen by that many people that it really opens up your eyes and opens up your framework of thinking to looking at whatever you've tweeted about, which could be anything in a really different way. And I will always appreciate it for that. Mm -hmm. Don't appreciate when people forget that, you know, even though this is an anonymous account, I'm a very real person on the other side of this. And have you got that quite a lot? Have you, have you got some sort of not so nice replies before? So like, yes and no, I don't get it often, which is good because like, I don't know if I would still be on Twitter if I, if I did, but you know, most recently, I think I tweeted something just like general about like grad school and undergrad. And if you have the opportunity, you know, take a break between undergrad and grad school to either work or explore or like do like, just don't rush right into grad school because you, there might be other things out there for you, you know, a job or what, what have you that maybe grad school, it seems like it's the path of least resistance, but maybe it's not the path for you. And I tweeted this because had I done that, you know, got a job and worked for a year or two, instead of rushing right into a master's, maybe, maybe I wouldn't be here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I tweeted that. And I think some people misinterpreted when I said, take a break, as in like, take a break and go backpack across Europe. And I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean take a break from all of your adult responsibilities. I meant take a break away from your education. And then people who had misinterpreted it, and I understand totally why they did, really came after me for, you know, speaking from a position of privilege, which would be required to just totally abandon all of your responsibilities and go backpacking across Europe, right? There are accessibility needs. You might have a family, you might need the health insurance that school Mm -hmm. provides, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not really what I meant. And then actually in that comment thread, it opened up a conversation where some people were criticizing anonymous accounts in general, saying that, you know, they're not really real. They just tweet stupid things like this to try to get likes and for cloud and et cetera, et cetera. And that was like pretty hurtful because that's actually the exact opposite of why I tweet what I tweet. I really do have a genuine investment in trying to help people. And every time I do, I feel so great about that. So that's why I keep tweeting because I wish I had someone to tweet at me to tell me kind of like, how do I navigate through this? Or at least show me one way to navigate through this. So then maybe I could pick and choose the recipe that worked for me. So Mm -hmm. that was a more recent and kind of hurtful moment that happened. Yeah. Um, but my policy for that is honestly mute, block, delete, and keep it moving. Like I don't, I don't spend time on negativity. No. I'm here to promote positivity. If I've made a misstep, I definitely correct that. I definitely try to have dialogue and clarify whenever possible. But when, once it becomes clear that people are being just facetious and rude, then I just mute and I block. And at the end of the day, your your platform is is something for sort of positivity and like like a helpful and like like a good space for people to like come and escape. It's 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 not something there for for sort of yeah negativity. Exactly. And then that's the other thing too. You might have an account with like 10 followers saying some really nasty stuff about you. And then if I reply to that, now 40,000 people are going to see that reply and like is that the content that i really want to deliver to people like i don't want people to have to open up their phones and just look at negativity whether they agree with me or not like i don't there's enough negativity in the world 
-hmm. I don't want to bring that to your screen. When you see my picture and you see my account, I want that to be more or less positive. Or if it's not positive, when I do tweet some like more negative things, they're, cri they're criticisms of academia that in a way are still positive because I'm showing PhD students like I'm going through it too. Like I'm yeah. here for you kind of thing. So I try to really be conscious about the content that I bring forward because now that I have an audience that's that big, it's on a huge platform. So every time I reply to a tweet, I always think like, if I was following me, would I, would I want to see this or not? So it's, and it's not just about me. Sometimes yeah. people tweet things at me that I don't really agree with. And you know, your first reaction is to kind of like justify yourself or explain. And I'm like, that's not necessary. That's okay. I see where that person's coming from. Cool. And I'll just like, like their tweet and say, thank you or something. If I do reply, sometimes I don't, if it's just straight up negative and I just keep going. But not dwell on it. No, not at all. I think if you dwell on it, like, there, you know, there's a lot of science Twitter drama. There's science Twitter drama all the time. We're coming out of a, a whole swath of, and I don't want to minimize it by just drama, but horrible things that have been happening on science Twitter in the, in the last couple weeks and especially the last two weeks. So it can be a place where there's a lot of negativity and yeah. a lot of really just horrible things that are happening, that are happening to people. You can see people bullying each other sometimes and like, I don't really want to participate in that. No. I don't want to actively bully someone. I would never do that. And then when I feel like I'm being the target of that, I, I just try to steer clear. Mm -hmm. that, that sounds very, very reasonable of you. Right. Very level-headed. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if for your followers or someone who sort of looks up to what you're doing, what would you sort of, how would you recommend someone who's trying to grow their own platform? Not necessarily even for the same sort of thing, but in, in the science world. Yeah. So that's a great question. I mean, it happens to me like by accident, like everything else in my life. So it's like on one hand, I'm like, I have no idea. But <laughs> when I look back and I actually, you know, reflect on it, there are definitely a couple of things that stand out to me, even as a follower myself, right? Like I have a following, but I'm also a follower of other people. So I think one thing that sticks out to me and that I think is the most important is to decide what your message is. Mm -hmm. like, why are you here? And what do you want to say? And who do you want to say it to? Make sure that's important enough to you. Doesn't it be important? You like, who cares what other people think? Make sure that in your heart that the answers to those questions are important and impactful mm -hmm. and stick to it. And then on the flip side, another side of that, you have to be authentic because we're hardwired to be social creatures. We can really peg quite quickly when someone's being real and someone's not being real. And we gravitate towards authenticity. So I, and I think that that's been a big, I don't know, key or secret to my success on Twitter is that I've been super authentic this whole time. I'm like very real. I tweet very honestly and candidly about what's happening to me, what's happening around me. And I think people gravitate towards that. Yeah. Wow. It's all about content in the end. Like yeah. if your content isn't good, you're really, you're never going to capture an audience because the audience isn't not really going to relate to your message or what you have to say. And then you know, a little bit more granularly, like more specifically about the Twitter platform specifically, if you're trying to build your Twitter audience, the key to that I think is retweets because that's what gets you visibility and visibility translates into followers. So the more, but then again, like to get the retweet, you have to have an authentic message that people relate to and want to have something that people want to hear and want to tell people about. Yeah, exactly. So I've had some people come to me and ask me, you know, some people that are running business pages on Twitter is like, how do you get a following? And I'll like 
scroll through some of their tweets and kind of be like, mm, this missed the mark. I would never retweet this as a follower. So I think the best thing to do is put yourself in the follower shoes and be like, if this account tweeted this, like, what would I do with this tweet? Would I like it? Would I retweet it? Would I just keep scrolling? So there's, there's definitely some mistakes, like from my end that I think people make. And for example, one of them is like a thousand trillion hashtags in a tweet. Like when I see all that blue, I'm like, this is like an ad. Bye. Yeah. And I just keep scrolling. Like, it's so obvious to me that you're just trying to mine a retweet or a like mm -hmm. that it feels inauthentic. So it comes yeah. back to authenticity. It's like, there's like 17,000 hashtags here of 17,000 different communities that you're trying to reach. It's like, you really don't care about this community or like any one of these in particular. Like, okay, next. And I just kind of keep going. All right. Well, that sounds some very, very good advice. I'm sure people will really appreciate that. Um, I think that's all we've got time for um, today. But thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I think everything you've said will tran like translate to people like and sort of resonate with people. Sort of, again, like what you're trying to do is so important for the research community with like giving people a space where they feel like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one in this situation. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing I want to end with is that on my Twitter page, it's really supposed to be a community mm -hmm. full of PhD students in the struggle, tweeting about it as it happens, as it is. And I try to be there for my community because they're there for me. So I really love Twitter for that reason. And if you, and my DMs always open. So if anybody listening, you know, needs a, an ear, like can always message me. I'm not a professional. I'm not an expert, but I'm, I can definitely be your virtual lab mate yeah that's that is i think that's a really again a really great thing you're doing so thank, thank you thank you. you so much and i hope your uh, your twitter continues to grow and the community you continue to help more and more people thank you you've been listening to the scientist podcast to catch up on more episodes find the scientist podcast on spotify or visit www.scientist.net